Welcome to the podcast Behind the Counter with your host, me, Heidi Blum, also known as The Foods Are. I was born and bred in Livingston, New Jersey, and I have seen firsthand over the past few years how food and the people behind the counter can bring a community together. We all have a story. We all have an appetite. Each episode will explore the thread between food, people, and community and the stories that weave them all together. So let's get behind the counter and dig in. Here we go. This is Behind the Counter. Behind the Counter. With the Food Zone. Here's Heidi. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Counter with the Food Czar, which is me, Heidi Blum. This is not only exciting for me because this is my 10th episode. Do you hear the, the round of applause in the background? I don't, exactly. But for those who know me, know that when I introduce my next guests and tell you where I am, they are going to know immediately that I am home. So let me introduce Andy and Wendy Siegel, directors of Tyler Hill Camp and the cutest couple in Wayne County. And now the applause comes out. Now I hear it. I exactly. Hear it loud and clear. I mean, what a treat that we are sitting here on the hallowed grounds of Tyler Hill Camp, 18469, with a Tyler Hill legend. <laughs> And Hall of Famer, yep. Heidi yep. Blum. Stop it. Tell Whose me more. name is on the wall in this, in this very right, canteen. That's right, people. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. It, it, it is a, uh, it's a tribute to everybody who's ever been at Tyler Hill to have you here, and we are so grateful that you thought spending time with us would be meaningful. And um, worth the long drive to get here. There are, I mean, honestly, for people who know me, and I think you guys know me now, there is no place in this world that I'd rather be ever. I mean, this place honestly means so much to me. I can't, I could cry. When I decided to start a podcast, I said to Wendy, you're coming on. I'm doing this because it's behind the counter with the foods are. And at camp, there's so many elements that we're going to cover today that uh, go along with my theme of being the foods are and behind the counter. So when this episode drops, it is going to be, I think, June 5th. Okay, Just at a the, few weeks before camp starts. Correct. And at that time, there are, I don't want to say every parent in the Northeast and Florida getting their kids ready for camp. I would say a lot of people. And there's a lot of people out there who don't understand how we send our kids away for seven weeks. So I thought we'd break it down today. Okay? Love Great. It. I love it. Okay. So while Tyler Hill is, um, since 1976, has been my full heart, and has made me who I am today. My kids also go here, so I'm a little biased. But as I said before the interview, there are people out there who think their camp is the best, and that's good by them. It's not the truth, but it is good. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But um, not every camp fits every kid, and not every kid fits every camp. So, But we're going to use Tyler Hill as the example today. Okay. So how do you build a village for seven weeks? Hmm. It's such a great question and something that we continue to work on every single year. Um, And frankly, I think what 
the founders of the camp did back when they built the camp in 1955. Um, like you, I went to camp, and for me, what I remember most was that it was a place where I felt most comfortable. I was the best version of me, and while as a kid and probably even a young counselor, I didn't understand that there was some real intention behind that, now as a camp director, I understand how it is our number one focus all year, every year, and that we continue to evolve to make sure that we are a community that is as warm and as nurturing and as fun and happy as a place it can be for everybody who sets foot here every single summer. So let's talk about behind the scenes, right? So like I said, parents are right now bringing out their trunks, going through their packing list, worrying about having 24 to 30 pairs of socks, 24 to 30 pairs of underwear. You should pack more socks than we say, so like, that's make why it said, like 40. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I said 30, because it says 24, by the way, because I'm one of those parents. Um, but behind the scenes, I mean, you have a staff of how many? This year, there are 350 people on our staff roster. And if you don't have those 350 people, camp is not going to operate at the level you need it to operate, correct? It, it can. I, I think that running camp has become so much more challenging and, and so many more moving parts, um, whether it's new programs we bring in every year um, in line with what, what you talk about a lot, which is food, um, so many different allergies and, and likes and dislikes we need to manage in the kitchen, which requires so many more staff. Um, it takes us now 10 nurses to run a place this size. Um, it takes us, you know, a couple of hundred counselors in bunks to take care of all these kids because we know if we can create the right staff experience and our staff become part of this community and they become sort of the whatever that year sort of vibe and energy is, we know that your kids and every other kid who comes to camp is gonna feel great about this experience because their role models are gonna be showing them the way. You have a lot of campers that turn into counselors, right? So I think that's a very hard transition, I think, for a lot of uh, the CITs, which is counselor and training, going into a JC, which is a junior counselor. Right? Yes. Um, do you think that while the transition is hard, it's everything that you say to them every day since they started here as a camper, they bring with them to be a counselor? I would make the argument that it's not that difficult of a transition, believe it or not. Um, I used to think it was, um, but the reality of it is, we train these kids from the time they're seven, eight, nine years old and when I say train, we condition them to understand that this is a loving and warm and nurturing community. And the transition from sort of being a CIT one year to becoming a junior counselor the next is just the natural progression in camp. It's time. Everything has an expiration date. My kids just graduated college. They were done. They were ready to move on to the next thing. And... Being a camper has an expiration date at around 16, 17 years old, and now they're ready to pass on all that they've gained to the next generation of campers. Um, is it a tough challenge at times for counselors to understand that everything now is no longer about them and it's about somebody else's child? Yes, 
but not quite as hard as you, as you would expect. Is it hard for them to manage their time off because they're 17 and 18 years old and this is their first time having some freedoms? Yes, but it's challenging for that first time counselor who's coming from overseas. It's challenging for that, that young lady from Kansas who's coming here for the first time. Frankly, more challenging because they don't know when first period is and what first period is, and the fact that we've got to get all these kids to first period, and then we got to get them back to get ready for second period. They have all the institutional knowledge. So, you know, a lot of people will say who, who were not camp people or whatever, like my, my son, Matthew, who is a counselor here at camp. I believe he's, he's not a group a leader. He's a group Heidi. leader. He's a group leader. Pardon <laughs> me. Sorry, Matthew. Um, but he, uh, for example, a 20-year-old Matthew, they'll say, is he getting an internship this summer? Is he, you know, what, what does he want to do with his life? I say to Matthew, you stay at camp. Because to me, the life skills, and I think people don't realize that, the life skills that you learn working at camp, I think, exceeds being an intern anybody. Far anywhere. exceeds, we yeah. believe. 100%. The internship you get at, at camp, forget Tyler Hill Camp, at camp, during your summers between your freshman, sophomore, junior year in college are far more valuable. The lessons in leadership, the ability to, to have to multitask, um, the challenge of having to wake up early every day and stay up all day long and all night long and deal with so many different issues, whether it's camper issues, co-counselor issues, supervisor issues, um, weather issues, or whatever challenges come at you. Um, these are not things that, quite honestly, college kids who are taking internships in big cities are really getting to do. Okay, let's talk about this. Right? I think all roads lead back, in my opinion, all roads lead back to Tyler Hill. Other people may say all roads lead back to their camp. But the network of people that you get going to camp from day one, being a camper at six, seven years old until being a counselor. My first question whenever I meet people is, did you go to camp? Where'd you go? I went to this camp. Oh, do you know so-and-so? Do you know so-and-so? It is such a conversation starter and makes the world a lot smaller, I think, in the Northeast, Florida, all those areas. Do you agree? Without a doubt. 100%. And we hear it from parents all the time, whether it's parents that are coming for a rookie day and they walk into camp and they see 10 people that they knew from college, from when they lived in the city. My roommate in college went to Camp Wequayek. My other roommate went to Blue Ridge. And uh, the fights that we would have against each other because of the inner camp games that we played against each other were very interesting. My Blue Ridge friend always said that we cheated and that we uh, took the air out of their bus tires when they were here. I don't know that that's true. I kind of hope it was. Um, I, there's something about uh, going to camp and having that in your life. I think it just sets you up for a different conversation. It sets you up as a different person. Um, I know for me, and I said this in my Instagram post, it's where Heidi Blum became Heidi Blum. Um, so for... That parent that's sending their child for the very first time, a seven-year-old boy or girl, and they're nervous and they're anxious, um, what would you tell them? I tell them it's totally normal to be nervous and anxious right now because kids are leaving their homes, right? They are coming to be parented and taken care of by people other than their parents. And so I think that's normal. 
and expected. And I know that that first day, your kids are going to get off the bus and they're still going to be nervous and anxious. But as soon as they meet their counselor for the first times, as soon as they meet their bunkmates, as soon as they have that first bowl of ice cream at camp or pizza at camp or whatever it is, their whole mood is, their whole, like, everything is going to shift. Everything will take, they'll take that deep breath and it will just feel like they're home and in the right place. But yeah, right now, nerves and anxiety, I think are on high for parents and for kids. So it's uh, And us. Yeah, I was going to say, and you. It's uh, I, I think, oh, go ahead. I think one of the things we say to kids, that kids understand, remember we have, we're talking to seven and eight-year-olds often, and so we have to put it in terms that seven and eight-year-olds understand. Um, we explain to them, when we see them in the off-season and they start you know, showing signs of anxiety um, about coming to camp, we say at camp, you have permission to do two things at the same time. You, uh, you can miss home because that's going to happen and it's not going to end this year. You're still going to miss home next year and the year after that and the year after that. And you can have fun. You can do both of those things. They're not mutually exclusive. And so that maybe at times disarms kids and their parents and gives everybody the understanding that, okay, it's normal. And by having fun doesn't mean that I'm not going to miss home. And missing home doesn't mean that I can't have fun. Right. Right. I was homesick for four years, terribly. I was in our owner, it was the owner at the time was Bill Heft, in his office probably every day. And, uh, and I think I stayed another... 11 years after that. There's one other piece, which is, you know, parents, if you want to sort of break it down, what do you want your child to get out of the summer camp experience? When you're sending your seven or eight or nine-year-old to camp for the first time, what are your goals? What do you want? Are you sending your son or daughter to camp to play sports, to become a better artist or actor? Or are you hoping that the camp experience teaches your children skills like how to make friends, how to build self-confidence and self-esteem, how to gain some resilience, how to get over this obstacle without mom or dad holding their hand to get them over that obstacle. Those are the things that we do in camp. Those are the things that I think parents want their kids to gain at camp. And then secondarily, they want to make sure that they're playing basketball and getting on stage and they're doing the arts and crafts and whatever it is. So like anything in life, in order to grow, there are growing pains. And some of those pains for kids are missing home. Some of those are learning how to share the attention of, of you know, the counselors in the bunk with 10 other kids. Some of the, the, those pains are, you know, finding something to eat in the dining hall, whatever it is. I, you know, I say to my kids every year, I write them a letter when they get on the bus. And in the letter, I say to them every single summer, when you get to camp, nobody knows what happened to you the past 10 months. It's a clean slate every summer. You get to reinvent yourself. That to me is the beauty of camp. I mean, I'll tell you for me, my father passed away when I was 11 and I came to camp and it was my breakout summer. It was my summer that I didn't have to deal with emotions. I was distracted. And that was the summer that I really came to life, interestingly enough, because no one knew. 
I didn't have to talk about it. I didn't have to, you know, sit with my mom and go through those heavy conversations. I got to be a kid. What a great gift, yeah. right? So, you know, I think it's such an opportunity for your kid to fly the coop for seven weeks and be free in who they are. And, and, and to learn those important life skills that will help them be successful as they get older. So it's May. It's a rainy, coldish day here. I just saw the sigh from Andy because... 35 oop. days till the bus is rolling. Exactly. That's, so that, was my, that was my question. From like maybe right about now. So as yeah. I pulled up to camp, I noticed the um, water sport things are not in the lake yet. And um, so what goes on? What happens from now to the moment those buses roll in? So much. Um, first of all, our first summer staff just arrived. Uh, our waterfront director and outdoor adventure director got here the other night. And we have another crew of people coming in today and tomorrow. And beginning on Monday, the porches are getting painted. The inflatables are being inflated. The pool will get drained, clean, and refilled. Um, we will take in deliveries in food service. We'll take in deliveries in cleaning supplies. And we will clean this place top to bottom. Um, you know, on, on the physical plant side of things. On the other side of things, we're spending a tremendous amount of time talking to families, helping them sort of get ready for this experience, helping ease nerves, helping sort of um, prepare them for what's really just, uh, you know, five weeks away. So June 24th, everybody puts their kids on the buses. How many buses do you have coming from? 11. <clears throat> About eleven buses. Okay, so so plus the plus Florida plus the oh, Florida kids who come, come in a day, day or two yeah. of those buses. Yeah. So, uh, talk to me about that feeling when those buses roll in. Camp is sort of it's quiet, but there's also counselors here that have been here for orientation, so it's not like dead quiet. But right. to me, that I always think that's the most exciting moment. Oh. I cry every time I see the video. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's intense. Yes. So talk to me. You wake up in the morning. So we wake up in the morning. I mean, I'll tell you just from here. Andy leaves to go meet the Long Island buses and get the bus stop going. Here, the staff are running around getting their final signs made for the bunks and making sure everything in the bunks is clean and ready to go. And everyone just has that, like, butterflies in their stomach, probably the same butterflies that the kids have getting on the buses. We all have here. And then, like, as the day goes on, we'll start making announcements. The Long Island buses have left. The New Jersey buses have left the bus stop, right? Like, everyone is on their way. And, like, the, I mean, and as soon as those announcements go out, everyone starts cheering. And then we're like, okay, 30 minutes to go, everybody, 30 minutes to go. And everyone starts to make their way to the front of the dining hall. And everyone is in a crisp Tyler Hill shirt. The music is playing. The signs are in hands. And everyone, like, it's just the energy is a level that I, I really, it's only on that day that I can really think of that energy ever being that high. And then we all are waiting and waiting, and Andy's driving up, and Andy's texting, call, no, he's not, never texting and driving, he's calling, <laughs> and saying, I'm at the, bri I'm at the bridge, where I, you know, we're five minutes away, ten minutes away, and we start making those announcements, everyone is in front of the dining hall, and then we look over behind the gate, like behind the gate, over the water, over the lake, and you can see the first bus, and as soon as you see the first bus, someone's like, first bus is coming! And everyone goes crazy, and then it just starts. Andy's truck pulls in first. Mike 
and Ben, Haley, Deanna, all of us are just waiting and then it, they come and the buses roll around and the counselors are cheering and the kids are banging on the windows of the buses and it starts. It, once goosebumps. all the buses are in, goosebumps. Andy, sa Andy says, open up the doors and the bus doors open and, and, and that's how it begins and it is just, it is, it is amazing. It, it, it's, I mean, that is exactly how it happens and in some weird way, between today and opening day, it's going to feel like there's not enough time to get everything done. Yet, as soon as I lead those buses down, I get out of the car, and the last bus is parked and it's safe to open the doors, a sense of calm comes over me, and I don't understand why. I just don't understand it. Because you're in it. And, and now... You see the kids jump, walk, walking off the bus, jumping into their counselor's arms, jumping into each other's arms, and you realize that maybe that porch didn't get painted. Maybe it was just yesterday when we finished that project down there behind the health center. But none of that matters anymore because everybody is back where they're supposed to be and the world is sort of right where we are supposed to be. Food in general, I think for most people, sparks a memory. When I bring myself back to camp, the smell of the freshly baked onion rolls that came out in the morning from the, from the dining room, right? Our uh, Friday night, we had Friday night dinner. We had a, I can't believe we had this, but we had Ritz crackers and chopped liver. I mean, I, <laughs> go figure, I have no idea. Maybe we'll bring that back. I don't know that you should. <laughs> I'm thinking that for some reason it was a winner back then. It was not, it's not a winner now, but. Um, you know, the food from the canteen, the grilled cheeses, the I, Nutty Buddy and Cheese Jacks from my canteen list. How do you prepare for 350 in staff and 500 kids? How? Wait, by the way, Heidi, before we answer that, I will also say, like, I have those same memories of my days of growing up at camp. I remember, like, how we felt when it was cinnamon toast for breakfast, right? It's incredible. In like... God, I hope there's enough. I hope there's enough. By the way, my friends and I, my camp friends, shout out to my camp friends, we talk about this at nauseum. We used to go on canoe trips down the Delaware River in like those big silver canoes. This is what they sent us with. Ready? A garbage bag with a boiled chicken. <laughs> okay? A boiled chicken. Could you imagine if kids no. got this now? No. A boiled chicken and cereal boxes and a big can of pineapple juice. And it was tied to the bar in the canoe as we would go down Skinner's Falls. How would we open the pineapple can? We would, we were instructed, instructed to slam it on the corner of the canoe and that was the can opener, okay? I can only you hear, take, I can only imagine the parent calls if we said that on a trip. You take <laughs> 20, 20 girls from Long Island <laughs> and Livingston, New Jersey, throw them in a silver canoe down the Delaware River with a boiled chicken, cereal boxes, and a can of pineapple, Godspeed. That's all I Great. can say. You know what? Simpler times. And, and it's so funny is that somehow we all survived it and... and Talk about it. And, and those were special times. Um, the world has changed a lot. <laughs> you mentioned Nutty Buddies. Well, they're off the menu. That's correct. No nuts. In, in any camp almost anymore. Um, it's a Herculean task to feed close to 900 people three meals a day. And that's in the dining hall, forgetting the fact that we are running special meals in the canteen, 
down at the Arts and Crafts Deck. Franco is running special meals down at the lake. Um, it is a Herculean task. How do you do it? No different than the way colleges do it or, or other you know, big institutions do it. You have a huge team of people, and it starts with finding the right person to be the food service director. As you can imagine, food is one of our top three expenses at camp. I'm sure. Okay. Um, and while we try to get it right and we tweak the menu every year, often even mid-year. Um, in the middle of the summer? In the middle of the summer. And we do so based on sort of how those meals go or don't go. I remember last year, I f came across a product at a conference we were at, which was a breakfast pizza. Who wouldn't want pizza crust with the eggs and all that stuff on top of it? Every kid loves pizza. Well, it was a loser. It was not, that did not just, go I'm over I'm just going to well. say that I really liked it. <laughs> so Wendy and I were the only two people who liked it. Um, and so we didn't reorder that product, and we had to tweak that menu. Last year, we brought in a play off of Chick-fil-A. It was Chick Hille, Tyler Hille. And you know what? That was a winner. The first set of chicken was a little too spicy, so we had to go to a less spicy chicken. But that became something we did three or four times over the summer, and kids commented, so it's back on the menu. But, to, I mean, to answer your question, you have to have an amazing food service director who understands, number one, how much to order, number two, um, what kids are eating, and what they're not eating, and being adaptable and bringing in products and letting people try things, and then you know going with what works and and stopping, you know what what doesn't work. I so, think it also, by the way, now is about variety also. So like when I went to camp, and probably when you went to camp, there was a meal on the table, and some days, if you were lucky, you could go to the special peanut butter and, and jelly table and make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And those were the choices. That our, was it. Our peanut butter and jelly came in the medicine cups with a popsicle stick. <laughs> <laughs> Just to By throw way, that out I there. I wish that happened in my camp. Yeah. That sounds really And you had to but open so, the peanut butter on the corner of a canoe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how we roughed it back then. <laughs> but, like, but, but that was all there was, right? And now, in order to hit everybody's palates, we have hot food on the table. But then there's also, for every lunch and dinner, there are three pasta bars. There is a vegetarian bar. We have a full team of people that are cooking only for kids who are and counselors who are gluten-free. We have a deli bar at every meal that is rolls and bread and every kind of meat and cheese. And there's, there's oh, oh, three full salad bars that are at every single lunch and dinner. So you have to offer so much more because we have to just make sure that kids are that kids are eating, counselors are eating. The thing about feeding, again, our population is we have to be very aware of what kids generally eat. We have to keep it relatively simple. So, yeah, we we have steak, you know, once a week, um, you know, that gets cooked on the grill. Um, lots of chicken in a in a menu like ours. There's just lots of chicken. You'll listen to the songs about you know the the the, the skits at camp, and you'll know there's a lot of chicken. Um, but but it, it's about preparing it in a way that works for the seven to fourteen year olds who don't have very you know uh, expansive taste buds and and palates but also making it a good experience for the counselors and the adults in camp. So I told you we have 350 staff. All right, so 250 of them are college kids. 
okay. Um, but there's also 100 people like us at camp. And so we want to eat healthy. Yeah. We want food to taste good. So figuring out ways to make it work for our 7- and 8-year-olds, but also for our 30- and 40-year-olds like us, um, we, uh, we I'm have not, I'm we not have laughing, am I? <laughs> Um, and it's a challenge. And to your point, which I, I couldn't agree with more, this was the same thing back in the 70s as it is today. Food is a major part of the camp experience. It is something they do three times a day. It's something that's very memorable. Um, and it's something we want to land in, in you know, almost every time we, we set out to do it. Um, <clears throat> you know, visiting day. Right? Why not? Yeah, I know for sure. So, One of big our favorite food days. Day. Uh, yeah. yeah, big food day. There was uh, that infamous video that went out at Tyler Hill. Was the running of? The, I'm not mm-hmm. going to yes. say it, yes, but yes. you know, it's a. It, it can be a scene, right? For Watching sure. all the parents uh, running to their kids mm-hmm. with wagons <laughs> filled, filled with food. Yes. candy towers, cookie towers, Rice Krispie treat towers. I mean, food amongst some. food, as if the kids are not fed for the first four weeks. That is exactly right. So, let's hear how you deal with that. So, listen, that that has changed a lot as well. First of all, let's talk about the the entrance. Um, Families come to camp for a 10 o'clock start. Maybe it's 10.30, I can't remember anymore. Um, And the number one change we made two or three years ago. Which was the best. Which is this bag right here to my left. um, We basically sent every family a pretty good sized bag and we said, if it fits in here, you can bring it. If it doesn't fit in here, you can't bring it. And so what that did is it sort of became less of a competition. It became less um, obscene in terms of the amount of stuff people were bringing. And, it and kept- Costco stayed stocked because our camp families weren't allowed to bring Costco size of anything. Exactly. And so that was helpful. That, that, that sort of went with our philosophy outside of socks and underwear, which is less is more. Okay. Um, Unless you're bringing Wendy candy. Right. Yeah. Right. That doesn't have to fit in the bag. Uh, that gets dropped right off on our porch. What, what foods, I know it's a, maybe a hard question, I know what my kids would say, do you think is uh, the ones that are going to stay in the top of the kids' minds? I know, like, you know, Tyler Hill's known for their chocolate chip cookies. For sure. For sure. Every family gets one when they come to visit. So come visit. You'll get some cookies. I think Wendy's Homemade. a big fan of the fresh, chicken wings. Fresh baked. Oh, yes. For sure. See, I follow your Instagram stories. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm ribs, on it. it's ribs and wings. That, yeah. that meal. So, um, like, you know, like I said, I could rattle through the top five meals that I think me and my camp friends would agree are the best things. And we could talk about what would you say? You give us your top five. Okay, uh, grilled cheese was yep. a um, now with tomato soup. Like, is that was that part of the experience oh, no, for you? No, oh, okay. no, it was just grilled cheese, and they had sliced tomatoes on a silver tray. And I, th- I think, and I made, I think I th- would peel open. It was not the greatest grilled cheese. It was a little soggy in the middle. Peel it open, shove a tomato in, and that was. Mm-hmm. I probably had ten of them in yep. that sitting. A lot of tuna fish gets put in those sandwiches yes. as well. Oh, we had the scoops of tuna mm-hmm. and egg salad. We were kosher back then, by the way. Um, we had veal. I don't. I don't think I ever ate veal, but it was a really good veal cutlet. Really good. We did veal not cutlet. have veal anymore. No. Yeah, really good veal cutlet. Sounds a little too fancy for us. It was. Uh, it was not fancy. It was delicious. Okay. I actually think that one of the favorite meals of the campers, not necessarily the counselors, is on Monday nights our food court. 
So Monday night, every Monday night, kids get to go, normally they eat at their table, like they, they sit down first, they go through a buffet line and they get to pick whatever they want from the food court, whether it's chicken, chicken fingers, chicken nuggets, french fries, you can make your own nachos, there's always um, baked potatoes and broccoli, and then there could be ribs, there could be pasta, there could be um, ravioli, like so who it's knows like going what's going to be on the food court. court. Well, that yes. was the, that was yeah, the design. Exactly. It was supposed always to... ices for dessert, which everybody loves yeah, to. Yeah, it was supposed to emulate what it felt like to go to a mall, which everybody loved to do. Remember growing up and yeah, you would go best. to the food court and you were like, do I want Sparrow or do I want now that it would be Chick-fil-A or whatever it is. So And then you, you just get everything. Right? And you do. And you just walk down with your tray and you load it up. And uh, and, and that that is a fan favorite. Look, the, the popular meals are still, tacos are still very, very popular in camp. Uh, grilled cheese is very popular. Ribs and wings, we can we can never get this right. They go through them like they've never eaten. It's just incredible. Um, the Chick-fil-A was a really good sort of cute thing. Chicken nuggets are always going to win. Tenders, fries. You know, there's so many different types of of fries and and uh, barbecues are pretty popular too. Wednesday barbecues. Yeah. So My what favorite, happens? actually, just in case you are wondering. Yes, is, of course. It's a tie between macaroni and cheese and pizza. Um, how much staff do you have in the kitchen? So there are several different roles that people play in the kitchen. So there's our head chef, Tony, who's been with us 20-some-odd years, and he's fantastic. Tony has about four chefs that work directly with him. Um, we also have two people who are specifically hired to only work with children and counselors with certain special diets, whether it's the gluten, it's kosher, it's dairy-free, it's vegetarian, it's vegan, it's you name it, that's what, what, uh, what, what Dave and Katie do. Um, we have four people who are exclusively working in our pantry. They're handling salad bars and fruit in the mornings all day, so they are constantly you know, preparing the salad bars. Then there's about 12 staff who what we call are bussers. They get the food from the back of the house to the front of the house. Kids and counselors don't aren't permitted into the kitchen. So they are the people that move the food from the back of the house to the front of the house, where counselors then come and bring it back to their tables. Um, so I'll tell you this, which I think you will be fascinated by, because I am. I think I just named probably about 25 to 30 people that work in the kitchen. 75% of them come back every single year. These, and, and, and remember, forgetting that Tony's the, the leaders of it back there, these are 20, 21, 22 year olds who come from overseas. Um, they love it so much and they feel so appreciated that this is a place where they feel really good about spending their summers and, and we love them to death, they're incredible. So let's talk about loving camp, coming back year after year, the traditions of camp, which there are many, right? I mean, we start our day with Reveille, right? Why do camps still play like military music to gather kids? I don't understand. I never understood it then, though it's, it's ingrained in me. We had taps at night. Still? Still. Still, yeah. There's something so special about doing something that's been done for so long and that it's a tradition that people love. Um, again, do, nobody loves Reveille because it, it's time to wake up. Um, but 
it is something that has been done since the first year of camp that we've been able to retain. And so camp is so much about traditions, whether it's the bugles that you just talked about, or it's gathering by a flagpole to raise the American flag, or it's so true. it's um, it's the tradition of walking into the dining hall and sitting down first before you get up and get your meal. I, like these traditions, which were started back in the fifties, remind us of where we came from, and and we are a community that thrives on tradition. And um, when, uh, unless there comes a reason why to stop doing those traditions, okay, and we've had some of those, whether it's some of our color war traditions that over time we've had to change the name of to become really sensitive to everybody in the world. Um, until that happens, we like for kids to, to sort of know where things began and we like to keep those traditions because camp is still today so much like it was 50 years ago or 65 years ago when, when Bill Heft you know, founded it. I mean, I think most camps are based on tradition and it's so nice for alumni like me and other, you know, who, who don't even have kids here, you know, to, to come back, to, to come back, yeah. sing the same, same songs that my kids sing now. I mean, that's the coolest thing ever. Like, and chills, right? Yes. Tyler Hill's people. Absolutely. The alma mater. I mean, I can't, it's Absolutely. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, color war. I mean, I still get excited from the breakouts, right? I think the cheers the in the are? dining hall are probably the same cheers that you did when do you Do they still do quiet, please? Dedicated sure. to? Yeah. Yes. Um, and you've come up with new traditions as well. I mean, that's that probably just happens naturally. You don't even realize it, correct? Yes. Correct. And, and, and we give everybody permission to create those traditions. Remember, we are bringing in so many new staff every year who have all these really cool experiences. And they come from other camps in some, in, in, in some cases. And I say, you have to remember, every tradition has an origin, whether it was the 1955 of raising of the flag, or it is the Great Bear Relay, which we started doing in 2019. What about starfish? Friday nights, we have a starfish um, ceremony that we do after dinner, um, after brother-sister time, which probably was also there when you were here, or here when you were here. Um, and our whole camp comes together, and we talk about values that we think are really important to being good people. And each letter st stands for a different value, but in brief, it is just about being a kind and good person. It's a, I mean, you're selling it a little short. I'm just saying <laughs> as a parent to read Wendy's story that she tells the, the whole camp every week based on the letter that represents one of the values right. that right. you're presenting. It's beautiful. Thank you. Our role here at camp not Tyler Hill. I'm speaking broadly about camps. What we have a huge responsibility to make a difference in children's lives, in people's lives. And so our Starfish program is an acronym for the eight values, which are every value every parent at home works with their children on, maybe not quite as intentionally as we do. Other camps call it something different. It's about taking time out of the week to sit down and reflect and to understand that camp is more than just about having fun. It's about learning the, the, the skills of being a good person, being kind, being understanding, being respectful, being a good sport, making a friend, you name it, and, and that's what the Starfish program is about. I mean, you sold me, Andy. <laughs> me too. I mean, that was but like, again, I was like, I need to have more kids. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, but again, I, 
I didn't create the Starfish program. You know, people have been doing these types of programs forever. Um, you know, uh, it, it's just, that's what we as camp professionals do. Camp is a family, right? So, you know, like I said earlier, like, Camp, you know, there's that line, camp friends are the best friends, and they really are. I mean, I have my whole group of camp friends. We may not speak every day, but if shit hits the fan, another curse, I'm sorry. I think that's the second podcast that I've cursed on. But when the shit hits the fan, all we do is text, and we're there like that, yep. right? If we need to celebrate something great, camp friends are there. It's a family, right? From my kids, like I said, don't see it yet and it's not just the campers it's the staff it's the so tell me how it feels for you and how you promote that you nailed it that 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 is still the case today um it is a community that rallies around each other in times of happiness and in times of sadness and and all the times in between um your kids do know that matthew in particular um I'm always amazed at the end of the summer when I read our postseason staff questionnaires where counselors who came from around the globe for the very first time talk about Tyler Hill as if they've been here for life and that they can't wait to get back to be with their summer family. Yeah, there's a lot of intention. There's a lot of talk between the time we hire them and the time they arrive for orientation where we say, welcome to our family. You're gonna be part of our family. Tyler Hill is a family. Insert your camp name is a family, okay? And then they get here to camp and we meet, and we meet them off of the bus and we know who they are. And we start to really now, now um, we, we begin to show them that we treat each other like family versus just tell them that we treat them like family. And there, as you can imagine, in a, in, in a staff as large as ours, in a camp as large as ours, there's lots of times where people struggle. And when you're struggling and you know you've got a great friend or a great supervisor or a great person there for you, it feels like family and that feels good. And, and it's really hard to find that in every aspect of life. That happens at camp organically as long as camp professionals and camp staff make that a priority for the summer. Yeah. So we said camp starting in 35 days. What are your hopes for the summer of 2023? I hope that all of our campers and staff come to camp just like you did so many years ago. Get off the bus have the most incredible experience, make the best friends, enhance the friendships that they have already, feel like this is their home, feel like this is their family, and when they leave on closing day, that they can't stop the tears and can't stop talking about the memories that they made this summer um, and share that with each other all year long until they come back the next summer. It's the best. It's the best. It's we the best. Want, we want kids to grow. We want them to thrive. We want our staff to feel like they're growing and thriving as well. And um, we want them to leave an impression on camp, a very positive impression on camp, and count down the days until the next time they get to be back. Well, let's wrap it up, shall we? Tyler Hill Camp, right? So uh, it's a family. It's an amazing community. 
It's a place where people thrive, where they get fed well. Home is where the heart is, and I know for me and the two of you, our heart is here. One eight four six nine forever. I love it. Yep. You incidentally, you just hit the summer theme when you said there's no place you'd rather be. Yeah. Well, Tyler Hill Camp in 2023. Our tagline is no place we'd rather be. Oh my God! I've like really. Yep. Yeah. Is that breaking news? It yeah. probably is. Actually, yes. I think that's an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. It took this long to get an exclusive out of you guys. <laughs> that's right. Hashtag no place I'd rather be. It's is that it? That's it. Yep. No place I'd rather be. Twenty twenty three. I love that. Yep. Okay. That's a uh, kids that's are going to be a part that, of it. That is a uh, Mike Davidowitz line. I love it, which everybody loved. I mean, how do you not love it? Yep. And there's a song that goes with it. We'll be playing it all summer long. Yeah, I love it. Yep. It's amazing. Hmm. Andy, sounds like a color war break. Might I mean, be in it, there. Might, it might be. <laughs> is that a clue? Is that a clue? Yeah. <laughs> that would be two years in a row. Exactly. Camp is a great thing, and I thank you for helping uh, learn about it behind the counter. Thank See you. how I plugged that? That was, that good. was good. Thank you for doing my 10th episode. Wow, that was good. Beyond honored. And yeah. I wish you the most successful summer season. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank awesome. you. If you are hearing this message, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I'm truly grateful for you and this opportunity. The purpose of the Behind the Counter podcast is to bring food, people, and community together. I hope you'll return for more episodes and explore with me. I want to personally thank Fran Linnell of Design 68 for my amazing Behind the Counter podcast logo and Travis Lohenberg for my awesome Behind the Counter music and all the guests that take their time to sit and talk with me. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you hear your podcasts. If you'd like to support the Behind the Counter podcast, please subscribe share with your friends and family, and you can follow me on Instagram at Heidi Blum. If you have any feedback or stories that you want to share, you can email me at foodsrbtc at gmail.com.